All right, so we're going to get started here. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to Marissa Louie. She's a principal designer at Yahoo. She's worked at Apple, a bunch of places. She's going to tell us all about emotional design today. Thank you, Marissa, for joining us today. Let's have a seat, and we'll just kind of dive right into it as soon as I turn, in my fan, turn on my fancy uh, 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 tablet here to, to see my notes. So I kind of I, I want to uh, dive right in. You have like this great design pedigree, right? You, you, know, you, you worked at Nest, which was acquired by OpenTable and was like voted 2012 best app in the App Store. It's a pretty prestigious thing, right? Thank you. And then you have, you know, you worked at Apple, which is it really the Nirvana that we all like make up in our head? Is I it have really some that? friends from Apple in the audience. Who is, it, is, it really, is it really like heaven? That's what we all <laughs> yeah. imagine like Apple to be, right? You go in and there's like. It kind of is in a way. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> I can't tell anymore. Oh, you can't tell anymore? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but after that, you know, you were uh, hired at Yahoo, and there was an LA Times article that uh, came out asking, do designers really rule uh, Silicon Valley? And mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to get your, your point of view, you know, having this design pedigree of why is design really so hot right now, and, and why are companies, you know, trying to just snatch up designers by the bushel? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, guys. I think we have over 100 people in the audience. This is amazing. Um, who here is a designer, first of all? Wow. And who here is an aspiring designer? <laughs> You're either one of the two. <laughs> OK. Awesome. Got it. Got it. Um, well, for, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think. Well, first of all, that LA Times article was kind of embarrassing because you were like front. It was like headline: <laughs> Marissa Louie snatched up by Yahoo. Uh, and, and and it wasn't prompted by anything. I didn't talk to any reporter. They just they just saw a tweet that I I, I pushed out there when I said, "Hey, I'm at Yahoo now," um, and it wasn't that uh, Yahoo stole me from Apple actually, um, but but it 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 almost made it seem like that. So. You can't trust everything you hear in the media. But and, and as a former reporter, I have to say shame on that guy for not actually calling you and getting a, a fresh quote <laughs> and just using your tweet. I'm not that scary. You know, <laughs> talk to me. Uh, but in, in terms of design's role in innovation, I think it's really just become so much more crucial because we have this slew of apps and this really increasing avalanche of startups that are starting up every day around the world. And so as it becomes easier to start companies and to build products, it's so much more important to have those products differentiated. And I think the role of design and designers as the creator of design is to really be the shepherds of a good experience mm -hmm. for users. And so if you really want your users to have a special, magical experience that they connect with and that they want to come back to, you really have to have designers be the lords of that experience. They, ha they have to be the, the ownership of creating that great experience. I think even like you, you, you said that your goal kind of as a designer is to make people feel good, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it that kind of design brings to that table that companies are now realizing? And, and why is it important to actually make people feel good? Yeah, well, first of all, I think design is really interdisciplinary. 
I actually didn't study design in undergrad. And I studied industrial engineering, <laughs> economics, and business at UC Berkeley, which does not have an undergrad program in design. So I've seen along my design journey that I have been able to apply design knowledge to so many different areas uh, for different roles at different companies, including Nest Computing, which got acquired by OpenTable. I led branding and marketing and PR in addition to doing design. You know, when did so you sleep? <laughs> not really ever. <laughs> about four hours per night on average. <laughs> I did sleep. I did, I, you know, otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> but the, the importance of uh, design as an interdisciplinary field is such that designers can have this insight into all of these auxiliary disciplines that are outside of just core product creation. So we're not just talking about designers as having engineering skills and product management skills, but also biz dev, sales, marketing, growth hacking, customer development, you know, all of these things that designers can pick up naturally because designers have this empathy for users and they want to create the best experience. And so pushed to the nth degree, designers can really move into any of these spheres of influence and any of these industries that sort of touch design as well. Right. You, you bring up something interesting, because I know we have um, some students from San Jose State here that are in the design program or the arts program. Mm -hmm. uh, and you talk about doing this disciplinary kind of track here for, for designers. What would, it, what would you say to those designers that kind of have like, are stuck in their like core skill? Like say, for example, visual design, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, you always hear like the arguments and I think we've, we've had them all around here is, is like, should designers code? Should they do this? Should they do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and then they get siloed in this and they want to try to go cross uh, disciplinary. So how do, how do designers get more involved with that? Especially because like for customer development, designers may not be like, oh, I don't want to talk to customers, but that scares me. So right. what is your advice to kind of move towards more of that? Right, well, I've picked up all of these um, skills that are outside of design, but that touch product and, and, and are core to building a tech business because I'm just obsessed with creating the best user experience. And like, that's, that's it. I just really care about my users. I really care about creating the best experience because that reflects upon me personally, and that is the energy that I choose to put out in the world, and I want that energy to be good. So uh, that's why I choose to push myself into all these different realms. And I think the only thing that holds us back as designers in terms of learning um, things that are outside of one thing, outside of visual design or outside of UX design, is fear, right? It's, it's fear of not being good, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so this fear of not being good is, is saying like, oh, well, if, if, if I'm an interaction designer, if I tried visual design, I'm going to suck. But guess what? We all suck at design for our first couple of years, at least, until we really start to see that, hey, I have a knack for this. I'm getting better at this. I see the light. I'm getting paid better and better for this. You know? And so it's, it's, it's really fear that, that, that gets in the way. I think looking for opportunities to flesh out your skills outside of you know, one core area is so important. So whether or not you do a conceptual mock-up 
of, of, of a product that you sort of just dreamed up, or whether you actually are um, hired by someone, paid or unpaid, to, to, to do certain work. I think looking for those opportunities is so important. So whether you have that opportunity explicitly from someone else, or whether someone else gives you that, you know, definitely take those opportunities to, to challenge yourself. Right. It, it's kind of like you, you don't get better at it until you have those 10,000 hours of practice, right? But it's, it I don't starts think that's with the true. first 50. <laughs> I don't think oh, that's true. Oh, how so? How so? Because um, I got my first job in design after working at design for two months. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a bunch of baloney, but. You know, and, and, and um, I don't know how many hours I've actually spent on design throughout my career, but you know, I, I think it's really more about the methodology that you take. The, the way that I learned design was um, starting in freshman year of undergrad, uh, I took a computer science class at UC Berkeley and fell in love with the design aspect much more than the coding aspect. The coding aspect I got done really quickly by the book, you know, very logical. But design really enthralled me, and I sucked. I sucked so bad. <laughs> the background color of my first website was this purpley blue that was like pastel. It's just really ugly. Is really, that really ugly. found on the Wayback Machine? What's the URL? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I'm not going to try to look. Uh, it, it was the same color as my favorite Jelly Belly jelly bean, and <laughs> random, so random. Um, really bad so that would not fly today uh, but you know the, the, the way that I learned design is giving myself progressively harder or different challenges so I started out with making icons and websites then I started learning, learning grid systems and typography mm -hmm. and learning how to make email designs and, and learning how to make iPhone apps and you know I, I, I just kept on pushing myself along the spectrum and it ended up being uh, the equivalent of a, a design um, undergrad education. Right. I think that's interesting because it's like, uh, what are the other ways that, other than actually going to university to kind of get that design experience? Oh, there's so that? many now. You can just go anywhere now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whether you, you, you pay for a program like General Assembly um, or whether you just learn by looking at YouTube videos and, and blogs out there, or whether you have a mentor who is showing you exactly where, where, where to go and books to read. Um, there's just so many ways to learn, and I think that's so important because we all learn in different ways. Right. right. But constantly learning to get into those other disciplinary, yeah. to make you better, more rounded uh, designer. Yeah. And you mentioned something that I kind of want to go back on because I think this kind of leads into kind of the emotional design aspect. Mm -hmm. What for you, how do you define experience? You say you want to design good experiences. What mm -hmm. for you defines, what is an experience? What is a good experience? I think a good experience um, is, I think I aim to, 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 to do better than that. But, but I think a good, solid experience is what probably 99% of designers focus on. And a good experience starts with having usable, functional, uh, beautiful design that solves a problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, starting with that basic building block. And I think, you know, that's kind of what all of us probably think of when we think about, you know, good solid design. But I think beyond that basic building block is emotional design. And it's really tapping into users' emotions. I think the role of exceptional designers 
is to be the shepherd of their users' emotions, to be the guardian of how your users feel. And so I think the best design factors that into account and really gears a product to making a mental, visceral connection with users that is, 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 is really quite rare out right. there. And, and what would be an example for you of that where it is a product that does connect that visceral uh, part of us that wants us to kind of latch onto it? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to sound like a snob, but really not many. <laughs> I sound like really snobby right now, huh? That's OK. <laughs> um, I, I, I really love Yahoo News Digest. I'm not trying to promote that, but you know, Yahoo News Digest, it, it uses animation and it values your time as a user in that it curates a feed of stories that are the things you need to know for the day. Mm -hmm. And so it leverages this really hardcore algorithms and backend technology to provide atoms, what we call atoms, of information and stories to users. And it, it's really delightful and it's just an engaging app and you know our users are spending so many hours on it per day opening it um, up every day on average one to two times per user and so you know we've got this really sticky experience and I think it really starts with not just the content but it's valuing users time and it's put together in a way that is clear and easy to use but also has this element of mystery and um, enchantment in it right um, so it has a little bit of like surprise and delight, right? Exactly. So how would you say like, what are the like kind of like the, in, in that, maybe elaborating a little bit on the example you have, how does that app in itself use kind of like psychological triggers or motivations or anything like that to create that surprise, that enchantment for uh, the user? Kind of almost what yeah. are the elements there yeah. of emotional design? Yeah, so you know, beyond just having photographs in this really cool visual style, some of the stories have what we call cinemagraphs, where we have these animated um, images that come to life on the page. And so they help bring that story to life. And you wouldn't necessarily expect a cinemagraph to happen for a story that just broke in the news. But we're on it, and we're so fast. And we have this technology that creates these cinemagraphs and um, uses those to connect with the heart of the user. Cool. and and and. Can you just break down, because I know I, I, I've seen you talk, which is an excellent talk on emotional design. Thank you. Can you break down what are kind of like the major kind of high level elements that go into that? Meaning typography and? Kind of like the major buckets that a, a, a designer has to consider if they want to be an exceptional designer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. using emotional design to create magic and enchantment. In got it, got it. So, so breaking it down, I think there's a couple of core elements that go into emotional design. And I really think that three elements stand out in my mind. I would say it's these three, anticipation, joy, and trust. So those three elements, anticipation, joy, and trust. Anticipation meaning a user anticipates what they're going to experience next. There's a sense of looking forward to or even longing for something that um, connects your, your, your heart and your brain to an experience. Um, joy 
is uh, making users feel happy and, and positive, um, ecstatic even, about, about your experience. And trust is, is really um, a couple of things. It factors in valuing the privacy mm -hmm. of users and, and not violating that and saying, hey, you know, are we recording your every thought and trying to connect your every point in history back to when you were born? And you know, do we know everything <laughs> about your, you know? And then now um, I can target <laughs> you with all these ads and over get, and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't show me certain ads during certain meetings, OK? Just, <laughs> man. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, OK, show me the Rainbow Bright ad during my meeting with Yahoo CEO. Like, just please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so also um, with trust is, I think, clear copy. I think I have so much respect for great copywriters. I, I had the opportunity to work with a couple of amazing copywriters when I was at Apple. And um, just getting a message so clear and succinct, um, but also having copy represent the personality of a product. So if your product is geared towards millennials, you know, mm. it should be fun, a bit younger, and hip. Right? If it's right. Um, geared towards um, health insurance, it should be trustworthy and um, make it sound like, hey, we professionals know about what we're right. doing, and you should trust us because right. it's knowing your audience. we bring all of this experience. Exactly. It's, it's knowing your audience and tailoring it to that. So anticipation, joy, and trust really are the three factors that go into Emotional design, and uh, beyond just emotional design, is also engaging and retaining users as well. And and you know, you said in that, that same talk, I, I believe it was in that talk, you said emotional design is beyond usability and aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes we can only think in those terms, right? Because mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're geared towards, right? Those are the things that are important. Right. But how can we make that leap beyond that logic? Yeah. How do we wield those four elements in order to get there? Yeah, so beyond usability and aesthetics, you know, I, I think it's really pushing ourselves as designers to learn things beyond design. So we're not just talking about, oh, I'm a visual designer and I'm going to learn interaction design. Mm -hmm. But it's saying, OK, learn visual design, learn interaction design, learn product design. Um, but push ourselves beyond that. I think each of us here in the audience has unique skills and a unique background, a unique story that, that, that we've lived our whole lives. And not discounting that experience and bringing in things that you know, that only you know, is, is so important. Um, for me, I bring in things such as um, uh, my love for <laughs> stuffed animals um, and uh, love for uh, fashion. I design this dress. Um, and photography, and uh, cooking, and, and, and so many things um, beyond just necessarily tech things. I have this rich life that is not just um, fun and whimsical, but I also have this history where my family actually uh, uh, were co-founders of San Francisco Chinatown. For example, and so you know, bringing in elements of my own culture as well sometimes into my design, and so I think each of us has a really rich experience that we can leverage, and um, and, and and we should never forget that. And so I think when we talk about going beyond usability and aesthetics in design, 
It's really tapping into your unique superpowers. And what are your unique superpowers? Was it all of those things or is it stuffed animals? Because <laughs> I know you brought them, yeah. so I want to I want to address the stuffed animals that are sitting here. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I think ultimately my superpowers are not necessarily just in tech, but just being a big kid. I'm just a big kid. Like I, I I've never grown up. I, I hug stuffed animals to sleep, and I talk to them, and <laughs> you guys are laughing like none of you guys do. <laughs> That's, that's okay. I still collect <laughs> Superman action figures. That's okay, fine. that's we're homies. We're yeah. homies. Um, so I think I think really just having this childlike wonder and enchantment with things, and not losing that pure feeling, right? I think childhood is is very often not logical, and it's it's very often experience based and. It's so pure in that you know you won't stand for things you don't like or things you don't want to do, and so I think channeling that and and not losing that element of whimsy and play mm -hmm. in what I do has been so important for emotional design and just the way that I live. In that I really take the time to uh, find that inner voice, that that inner voice of that child, and, and let it out. And it, it it seems also that that you're saying. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're also saying bring something of yourself mm -hmm. into your design. Definitely. Don't 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 remove yourself. Definitely. You know, you're, you're you're talking about bringing not only the experience of you as a designer, but bringing the experience of you as a person, and that way you're able to connect with your audience. Mm -hmm. Can you give an example of how you've done that in your work? Yeah, um, I have a personal stamp on every single design I make. So there's something personal in everything I do. Um, one example is at Yahoo, uh, we released this flight tracker that looks like Yahoo weather. So it's, it has a photograph in the background. And as I mentioned earlier, I love photography. I've, I've, uh, I'm big on Instagram, and I've won photography contests before. And I was able to leverage my eye for photography and work with our photo editors at Yahoo to say, hey, here are the guidelines for how we're going to use beautiful photos in a Yahoo weather type of fashion and bring this, this software to life, where if on Yahoo search, you go and search for a flight, you'll see your flight right there. Um, and that's an amazing experience, because with Wi-Fi being on board on some planes now, you can see exactly where you are in the sky. You'll see that plane animate to where you are even. And so you know that, that experience comes to life. And we show you a photo of the destination that you're going to. So if you're going to JFK, we'll show you a photo of the Statue of Liberty. If, we, if you're going to SFO, we'll show you the Golden Gate Bridge or something in the Bay Area. And so that really gets you excited and that gets you anticipation. That creates that anticipation. Exactly. Yeah. Antici you're, you're catching on. Uh, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. Anticipation for your destination. Right. And so you know, users might not see that I've been in photography for over a decade, but they, they see that experience. And, and, and now that you, you've brought it up, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, about Yahoo because, you know, obviously, there was the LA Times article that had the big <laughs> headline, right? Yeah. Uh, Marissa Louie joins Yahoo. Uh, but uh, Marissa Meyer, actually, she knows the value of, uh, of design. Yes. You've even quoted her as saying, uh, you can't have an entertaining, a delightful, and inspiring experience unless it's well-designed and thought out. That's why we're focused in terms of design. And, and since you've joined, what has... What is what is your presence had on on the company, and 
And what are some of the design initiatives that they're going through now to kind of get there? Mm -hmm. Well, I joined Yahoo because I wanted to help turn around the brand and the design of the company. And I saw a huge opportunity in that you know, they, they had Tumblr, they had just acquired Tumblr, they had Yahoo Weather, and I was like, wow, there's something there, but it needs to be pushed a little bit, mm -hmm. right? And, and I had a background in um, search and recommendations technology, I had a background in consumer media and fashion and, and all these things that I felt like were very relevant and found a great audience at Yahoo and that Yahoo would be receptive to that. And so, I had a chance to uh, work on different uh, design languages for the different Yahoo properties, such as Yahoo Homepage and Verticals and Yahoo Search. And beyond that, really working on these products for Yahoo Homepage and Verticals as well as Search that I feel um, are really critical, not just in expanding a user base, but in shaping user perception. So for Yahoo.com, I designed uh, the, the news feed, which takes up um, uh, the equivalent of almost half the homepage, as well as worked on social and, and growth and, and on Yahoo Search. Um, my sort of angle there is to make Yahoo Search more personal and more personalized to users, where, for example, with the flight tracker, you can, um, in the uh, Yahoo Search page, just see where exactly you are in a flight. You can also do that for an upcoming event packages that you're receiving from Amazon and, and other places soon. And so I found that not only did I get to shape the brand and the design aesthetic, but also got to bring in my product design thinking and my background there and, and, and exert my influence in that way. But design is so important for Yahoo that Marissa Meyer actually um, worked at Google as a designer and an engineer and a PM. Right? So we have this triple threat CEO. She gets it. She really does. She, she, she knows the design tools. She knows how to code. She knows all of these things um, that are so crucial for running this company that is so multifaceted and has so many verticals and so many properties. And so in almost every conference I see her talk, she's talking about the importance of design at Yahoo and how she really wants to continue pushing Yahoo as being at the forefront of design and, and helping lead and shape consumer tastes and preferences, um, not just in Yahoo, but in general, in, in terms of the online experience and also on mobile. So I think it's so crucial, and I, I, I really do see that she is honest with her word. And um, actually, just a few days ago, I, I hosted the uh, design all hands uh, for Yahoo, meaning we have several hundred designers around the world, and getting them together and showing them the latest thing from around the company. And, and just being part of that experience just made me so proud to see work on Flickr. And in Taiwan, we have a sentimental news app that we released that has been tremendous and has, won, uh, has been nominated for an IXDA award and has huge growth in the tens of millions. And so to be a part of that experience has been amazing. And so when I, when I think about my role at Yahoo, I think it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm one piece of it. Um, but I get to also learn from so many other talented designers around me. And, you know, it starts at the top with our, our CEO mm -hmm. having that appreciation for design as well. 
right? And and uh, the 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 journalist in me does have to ask how uh, how design and how this new deal with uh, Firefox, which you you helped with, you know, how is yes. that going to bring the company back to the top, back yeah. to the back to where it was yeah. years ago as the top search engine? <laughs> Well, Give us a little taste. You. Yes, <laughs> yes. So if, for, for those of the, you in the audience who might not know, we just announced that uh, Yahoo will be the default search engine in the US for Mozilla Firefox. And uh, my team and I uh, worked on that effort. And it was, um, it was truly um, exciting to see that they welcomed us in and they made such a big splash out of it. Um, Mozilla Firefox has over a hundred billion um, uh, search uh, uh, views and clicks around the world um, every year, and so that number is just astronomical, and the U.S. being a huge portion of that. And so, from a growth perspective, it's been amazing. But as a designer, you know, the perspective is. We created a special, unique search experience just for Firefox that is not going to be available in the other search browsers. You know, we're giving Firefox users a dedicated experience of Yahoo, of Yahoo Search that is um, streamlined, and um, we're really going to be releasing more features um, in the future. And it's exciting. It's exciting as a designer to see that there is a, um, a slightly different aesthetic because we have um, these these new things that we're releasing just for Firefox. Uh, I look I look forward to uh, my personalized Yahoo search <laughs> on uh, on uh, Firefox with a little bit of surprise and delight and anticipation as well. <laughs> and and with that, I know the audience here has been anticipating uh, asking some questions. So I'm going to pitch it to the audience. We have about ten minutes for questions. So. Who'd like to Who'd like to start off? Michelle Dennity, one of our former soapbox speakers. <laughs> Yeah, I think it starts with what the values are of that organization. And that definitely starts with the leadership as well as the designers on the ground and the people on the ground. It's not just a, an effort um, in silo, but I think designers need to have a really solid relationship and almost friendship with product management and engineering. With, with product management and engineering and design being that sort of trifecta um, of power that you know is the core of creating a product, and so I think the more designers can make PMs and engineers look good, the more they'll be on our side. You know, beyond the the hellos and you know greetings and, and grabbing a beer with them, you know that stuff really matters. I think getting the input of PMs and engineers on design early, before you just you know hand them off final designs, is so important for that. But I think in terms of balancing, you know, whimsy and surprise and delight and all those good things with with um, with shipping and with with a really um, crunched time schedule, is certain things are important. 
right? Certain things with the Yahoo logo, um, which I helped roll out. I didn't design it, <laughs> but I helped. I was one of four designers who helped roll it out. <laughs> um, is that you know the logo had not been um, redesigned ever really since the 90s, and so that was an important thing to focus on that symbolizes the company. And so we wanted to set it and then forget it <laughs> and not have to worry about it anymore. So because of that, you know, um, there, there, there was a lot of thinking behind uh, the presentation of, of the, the logo itself, which may sound a bit trivial, I think, to sort of non-creatives. But it's really that unifying identity of your brand. It's, 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 it's the trigger that you use to get people to, to think about you and your products and, and hopefully positive experiences. And so I think it's, it's so important to focus on the right things. I think there are certain um, cases where it's important to just ship and just to, to not be so concerned about things being necessarily pixel perfect and that you know, designers just have to be OK with, with certain things um, shipping just because of the natural pace of things. Next question. Yes. Hi, I'm Taylor. And um, you mentioned um, Hi, designers being um, afraid to moving on to other kind of fields because of fear. What about the opposite of that? What happens when you find yourself interested in way too many things? Yeah, so that you that's, what, that's what I am. <laughs> when you start to feel like you can't really, you're not really focusing on anything, you're just kind of like spreading yourself thin. Yeah. Um, what's your advice for people? Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to, to, to learn a lot of things or to be, quote unquote, spread too thin. I think once you get a solid handle on the core of what design is, I think every learning beyond that is just icing on the cake. And it shapes your design. It makes your design unique. And it differentiates you, know, you from you know, how we have 15,000 designers in the Bay Area. right? So. I always learn new things. You know, this year I, I I learned how to make stuffed animals, and I got into industrial design in that I'm designing my engagement ring, and I'm I'm pushing myself in all these different directions. But you know, it makes me better as a software designer because I learn different nuances of different expressions on these stuffed animals, and of materials and of of shapes of things that. I can bring as wisdom into my day to day as a software designer. And so I think it's, I aim to always continually learn throughout my whole life. I hope I never stop. <laughs> it does mean that you know, I'm, I'm going on, on so many directions. But I feel at some point in your career as a designer, you know, you've nailed down pretty much the basics of you know, core product design. And so you know, where do you go if you want to grow? You either stagnate in being a good, solid, designer who only knows design, or you know, you bring in other learnings into that. So how much time do you actually spend also meeting users and customers? Because sometimes what happens is product managers are spending so much time yeah. sometimes talking to customers. So there is a sense of design even they built up you know, by talking to the customers. And there's always a silent you know, feeling that maybe I am as a product manager, you understand design mm -hmm. from the customer's perspective a lot better than 
then a designer can actually deliver. Mm -hmm. These are so common situations all the time. Yeah. So, so yeah. as designers, how much, how much time do you need to spend with customers? Yeah, I think it's not necessarily just about the time, but just making sure to do it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I, I recently, a couple of weeks ago, did a user study on, um, on, on some of the uh, products that I've been working on or have released recently at Yahoo. And I just love doing that. I just love um, seeing users, learning from them. I love it when they bash the UI or they have recommendations for it, right? Because that's what really makes your product better. And it's so important for us as designers to be able to handle feedback. And, and, you know, we're not all perfect princesses. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Right, Ryan? <laughs> I'm a perfect princess. <laughs> you said it on record. It's on record. It's on tape, too. <laughs> it's going on Twitter. Michelle's typing it vastly right now. <laughs> so it's so important to, to listen to that and not just listen, but to incorporate that feedback. And so I do it every, every chance I can. I would probably cap it at a certain max, but you know, I'm actually grateful for, for being able to work with um, amazing user researchers at Yahoo. Today I'm working with one right now who's from Cornell and you know, just, just amazing. Um, before at Nest Computing, before Yahoo, when I was at Nest Computing, um, I actually ran user research <laughs> as well. So you know, in addition to design and 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 um, uh, doing PM stuff and marketing and PR, um, also doing user research with over 100 users. And I actually thought that that experience was so important because we didn't have a big budget for it, but yet I got to shake hands with our users. I got to have these visions of certain users in mind when I was creating new features or when I was changing new features. So putting a name to the face, sort of having these user archetypes that are based on real people was so important. Um, so I think, it's, I think it is important to just hear other voices. So whether you test internally um, or with, with other users, it's important. Um, I've even done guerrilla testing on the street, so with, uh, in, in cafes and libraries, um, just walking down the sidewalk. Um, I'll try to make myself look as non-threatening as possible and as nice as possible <laughs> and just walk up to strangers and see if they'll play around with whatever UI I have. So, and especially in the, in the products which are global in nature and you have audiences from several countries mm -hmm. and, and there's one geography which is actually not picking up for you. How do you, how do you say that you know, this is a because of design problem? You know, so there is, so I have this product, for example, Yahoo Answers, for that matter. Sure. And this particular geography not pick it up. Yeah. I don't really see traffic from that that geography. How do you say say that you know this is because of design? Are are you saying it is because of design? I, I'm or? not saying. <laughs> I mean, if ever you have to make a decision like that, you know, how yeah, do you yeah. say that? Why is this yeah. problem really happening? Yeah. Well, I I, I think. You know, no, no problem is just because of necessarily one thing. I'm sure. Um, uh, it's, you know, a, a, every team is, you know, um, not in a silo at Yahoo in particular. And I think it requires looking at a problem from multiple angles. And, you know, this goes back to, I think, being designers being interdisciplinary and not just being, you know, art school grads, but also being logicians and using math, using statistics, using common sense, thinking about like, okay, is this a user growth problem, right? 
I actually think that designers should be the best growth hackers out there, not just marketers, because we have the tools to actually do something about it. And so um, I don't know, you know the, the particular problem you're running into, um, but you know, it might be a biz dev deal thing. It might be that the, the language um, it, uh, or, or sort of the alignment of the UI and the page needs to change or things like that. So it could be for a multitude of reasons. But, um, but I think being able to see what all of those potential reasons are um, is so important. And it's not just the job of a PM, not just the job of a designer or engineer to do that. We have time for one more question. So who has, who has the final question? There you go, right there in the back. Yeah, I think, again, it starts with working with the right people who get it, right, and hiring the right people who get it. So I have the privilege of working with PMs and engineers who care immensely about design, and they love to see me designing and just, just watch and, and to, to provide their feedback as well. And so I have a very engaged um, team that I work with. And I, so, so I think that those values are there, and because those values are there, we're not just operating based on A-B testing and saying, hey, we're going to A-B test you know, all these um, shades of orange or all these uh, typefaces. But it's a matter of balancing out the analytics informing you know, what the design is. But I think we, sh we as designers should definitely lead with thinking, what is the best experience for the user? And I always think of things as a long-term game, as a long-term relationship with users, meaning if you A-B test something and it performs better, but it makes users feel you know, negative or left out in a certain way or confused, it's probably not worth it, right? So, so we're constantly balancing the short-term versus the long-term. But what I found remarkably is that with my designs in particular, when I look at the analytics and metrics and, and I, I think about the user experience, is that when I aim and when I'm enabled to design for delight and emotional design, those designs perform better than the designs that are not that, right? And so emotional design, in, 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 in my experience, has performed better. And so when you take that into account, um, there are certain metrics that do matter. Um, someone recently posted a Medium blog post, I can share it with you afterwards, uh, about metrics for designers, metrics that designers should care about. Right? And so there's, there's certain things such as you know, who, who clicks this button or what's the copy, you know, um, uh, things like that that matter for designers. Um, 
but the overall architecture of something you know, cannot be A-B tested. <laughs> so I think it's definitely a balance. Very good. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming uh, to Zerb Soapbox. Please give a round of applause for Mr. Louie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, sharing your stuffed animals, your whimsy, and, and, and telling us all about emotional design.